Welcome to Whatever It Takes Radio, helping you do whatever it takes to succeed in marriage and in life. I am your host, Paul Speed, and I'm joined today in the studio by my wife, Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hello. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. There's snow outside on the ground here in Georgia. Yes, and it looks beautiful outside, seeing the birds on the bird feeders and just a white covering over everything looks so nice. I'm loving it. And I'm also excited about what we're going to be talking about today because this uh, this topic really hits home with our family. This is really um, a part of large part of our story, and so I'm excited about being able to share um, that with our listeners today. Yeah, me too. I think um, this is what we deal with day in and day out at Whatever it Takes Ministries in different capacities. But we're going to be talking about how pornography destroys oneness in marriage, and this is huge. You know, we can't start that without going back over kind of what does oneness look like? And when you and I got married, we had asked God kind of to give us um, a verse, something uh, from his word to help us give vision to our our marriage and our wedding. And John John 17, 21 is what the Lord gave us. And if you we had it on our napkins and invitations and all those (laughs) cute little things. But it was summarized. Father, make them one as you and I are one that the world may see them and believe that you sent me, Jesus Christ, your son. And we saw that this was really, really important, obviously on God's heart, that Jesus would be praying for his disciples and those to come after him, that they would be made one. So we knew this was important and we knew God had a reason for this in our marriage. So I know you and I, in our four days to hope, four days to freedom in our couples, uh, we believe and we teach the individuals were body, soul, and spirit. And that's what helps individuals be able to figure out where their strongholds lies. What do they need to do and what areas to find freedom? But this applies in marriage also, doesn't it? I mean, we clearly see that marriage is three-dimensional also, don't we? Absolutely. We uh, The body, soul, and spirit is a part of who we are as a whole being. And, you know, these things, pornography, lust, uh, all alcohol, drugs, whatever our addictions are, are the fruits of the deeper roots in our lives. They're going to affect all three areas of our lives and thus all three areas of our marriage. And I know that that's what we saw happening in our marriage, Paul, is that, you know, we shared earlier in the podcast our story of how we married. We were excited about marriage. We were both believers and and loving the Lord. And God gave us that goal of oneness. He put that before us in John 17, 21. Father, make them one as you and I are one, that the world may see and believe that you have sent me. That was our goal. Our goal was that people would see our marriage and see our oneness and believe that Jesus Christ, Christ is real. And yet, shortly into marriage, there was no oneness. There was just absolutely no oneness. And we didn't even know what it really meant to be one or what it even looked like. I don't know, Paul, if we really had ever seen it modeled, you know, that well. Uh, but anyway... As we began to pursue God for this oneness, the Lord began to show us how, uh, where the breakdowns came in our marriage. And I think this, this whole topic today of how pornography destroys oneness in marriage, that's a hot topic in our day and times. Yeah, it is a hot topic. And I think because marriage is three-dimensional, you're absolutely right in that it, it affects all three parts, the body, soul, and spirit of the two individuals and thus their marriage also. Before we jump into that, though, um, I was just going to share the definition of oneness. Yeah, you know, go ahead. That's one of the things that um, you and I 
uh, had to stop and say, okay, what does it even mean to be one in marriage? And the definition that you and I came up with is that uh, oneness is when two people are loving God with all their hearts and pursuing his will for their lives unencumbered. And, you know, does that mean that you and I think alike on everything? Absolutely not. You know, you like crunchy peanut butter and I like smooth. Um, you know, I want to go out and roll around in the snow and play and you want to stay inside by the warm fire. And so we're, we don't always think alike in everything, but here's the key. Our goal is the same. We want to pursue God and his will for our lives. So our goal is still the same, even though we may think differently in other areas. The goal is still the same. And then the second part of that definition is unencumbered. We cannot have oneness in marriage when we're being encumbered. And so obviously this topic today, pornography, again, which is just a fruit of a root, it's not a root, but pornography destroys, it becomes an encumbrance to oneness in marriage. No, you're so right. It becomes a major encumbrance. And that's why, you know, a couple of stats that I looked at um, recently in thinking about this, and one comes from 2002, the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. But as they talked about all the divorce cases they had in a year span, they said over half, I think it was 56%, involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites is the way they wrote it. And I thought that's interesting. Over half of the divorces, one party was basically had a porn issue in their life. And we know from studies from the Barna Group over the years that Christian men, um, it's almost two-thirds of Christian men would say they looked at pornography in the last month. And it's not a whole lot better when you get uh, to pastors and those on staff at churches either. They're kind of the same. I think it said over 50% said they had looked at pornography within the last year. Wow, those stats are pretty staggering. <laughs> And uh, I know that just from our own experience here at Whatever It Takes Ministries that we've been uh, ministering to couples for over, what, 12 years now? And I don't think, Paul, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever had a case of adultery that there had not been pornography prior to that, ever. No, I think you're right. I think we've talked about that before, and it seems like it's always there um, somewhere in the past. Even if it's not the, the major reason for it, it's still there. Yeah. So you have to wonder what part has this played in the breakup of this marriage. Well, I think when we give in to lust in any area of our life or we, uh, we begin to go down that road, it just is such an easy step from pornography right into a real-life adulterous affair. And, you know, a lot of times people will sit and tell us, but I would never do that. You know, Scripture is very clear, take heed lest you fall. You know, it's a slow fade. We know um, we never, ever wake up and say, well, one day, you know, I want to have an affair and destroy my family. Um, but we get there slowly over time as we become uh, more and more bound by our sin. And so I think taking a look at this is a really key thing for uh, what people are battling with today, this issue of pornography. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's break that down into the three dimensions, the body, soul, and spirit. Let's start with the spiritual. Uh, I want to read just from Mark 10, um, verse 6 through 9. It says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I think sometimes when we look at this or you hear this, your mind instantly goes to 
the flesh. It's talking about joined in the flesh or whatever. Okay, so a husband and wife are being intimate physically, and that's what it's talking about. That's the only dimension that this affects. But this is so much more than this, and that's why I wanted to start with the spiritual. And just, I know looking back to our life and the pornography um, issues, my own issues and my own addiction to pornography, you know, it, it does several things. Number one, it caused me to hide. In other words, I hid mine from you because of my shame and guilt. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Their sin caused them to hide. Their guilt and shame caused them to run. And I know that we've seen in our own marriage when there's secrets in the marriage, there can't be oneness. And that's why it's so important. John, I think 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But having fellowship comes from walking in the light. And almost always when there's a pornographic addiction in the marriage or whatever, it's hidden. Um, the shame, the guilt cause us to hide that. And because of that, that breaks down the spiritual connection right away. Yeah, it's interesting how in our story, I didn't know that you had this issue in your life. And yet, but I knew that we weren't walking in oneness. And here we were, a Christian couple loving God and, and you know, trying to pursue his will, but yet we were being encumbered. Uh, I just didn't know what it was. And I can remember that from a very early time in our marriage, you were shutting down and pulling away from me. And I had no clue why. But again, as you just said, I think it was the guilt and the shame that you were experiencing from the failure because you weren't walking in the light. And so it was disrupting our oneness. Absolutely. And I know you felt it. I felt it. It just wasn't there. Another area that it affects in the spiritual realm is it defiles the marriage bed. And we're going to talk about this more, I think, when we talk about the physical side. But definitely Hebrews 13, 4 and 5 says that the marriage bed is defiled through coveting and discontentment. And, you know, when I would look at porn and when that was a part of our marriage, that did in the spiritual realm, it caused me to be discontent with you and my relationship with you, not just physically, which we'll talk about, but spiritually. In other words, it caused, again, a breakdown between us, and that's how it defiles spiritually. It defiles the marriage bed. Well, you know, in the beginning years when you and I were dating or courting or whatever they want to call it, anybody wants to call it, when we were pursuing a relationship together, I should say, um, you know, one of the, the key factors in our relationship was that we were spiritual together, that right. we prayed together all the time, uh, we studied God's Word together all the time, and that was what made me fall in love with you, was the fact that you led me spiritually. And, uh, I mean, I'm just sitting here doing this podcast, and the smile just breaks across my face because I just remember how sweet that was to have this guy that I could share in this spiritual uh, journey that I was on. And it was just amazing. But then shortly after marriage, that was the first thing that went, you know, was the spiritual. You began to pull back and you began to stop wanting to pray with me and you began to shut down spiritually from me. And so again, you know, most of our listeners may know or may not know that it was 14 years into our marriage before I ever discovered that there was an issue with pornography. But that was the first area, I think, in our marriage that began to be uh, hurt by your, your struggle, uh, your sin, was the spiritual. Well, I used to even always say that about you, and I know you remember, I used to love 
when we were dating or whatever, I was drawn to your spirituality. In other words, your relationship with God, I wanted to be part of that. I wanted that in our marriage. But again, going back to what I just said about the guilt and the shame, that affected my relationship with God, and therefore it affected my relationship with you spiritually. I couldn't connect with you in a spiritual way. In other words, there was, there was a block inside of me because of my own guilt and shame of what pornography was doing to me because I had hid, I had hid my sin, and that broke down the spiritual side of our relationship. So I know that affected you. You told me over and over it did and how you wished... Where did our spiritual life go together after we got married? And that's what was at the root of what was causing it. Another area, I think, in the spiritual side is it does. It gets fueled. um, Pornography is fueled by lust and fantasy. It's not real. I think anybody knows that. But the reason that's a spiritual component is that's the opposite of love. God tells a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, that can't be done when I'm allowing pornography and lust to be fueled inside of me. That's the opposite. Jesus even said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So all of those things just get compounded, and which again causes the guilt and shame and everything else to pull away, not just from God spiritually, but also the disconnect between a husband and a wife. Yeah, so we were absolutely spiritually disconnected during that time. And uh, which led to an emotional disconnect. Yeah, let's talk about the second component, the emotional side. I know for me, um, pornography, I think it's very easy to see that it causes a man to become very selfish. And life's all about me. Um, Emotionally, what happened, I know when I look back at my life, conversations um, with you, in other words, that, that was work, that took time, that took effort. And um, you know that because no, I'm looking at you laughing right now because yeah, everything was an effort for you. So to have to sit and listen to me talk, because I am a verbal processor, I verbally process out loud, and everything was a strain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't want to be with me. You were very impatient um, in almost every area of our marriage. You were impatient with me physically and emotionally. And so you just like to come in, home from work and go to your own little uh, comfort place of just being alone and doing your own thing. Right. Well, if the emotional relationship took work, pornography didn't take work, you know, and, and a guy's fantasy realm and what pornography promotes really is, you know, the guy is always adored. He's admired. Everything about him is, is right. And then to come home to a wife that maybe had some problems that day or wanted to talk or in order to get a deeper connection, we have to walk through things totally impatient, totally selfish I was. In other words, and it just caused me to, to look at engaging with you emotionally. It took work. And the pornography side of what was going on behind the scenes didn't require that. So I rejected you emotionally, and yet I would run to that for my own emotional fix, so to speak which was always lacking. Yeah, which is what, it's a cycle because you would come home from work and I would be, I I may have had a bad day that day. And so I, being a verbal processor and not an internal processor, I wanted to process through my day. I wanted to share it with you and talk about it. And because of your own struggles, when I would process through the day with you, all you heard was negative, 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 which I really wasn't trying to be negative. I just was processing, you know, walking through what my day was like. 
And you took that personally and you took it internally. So you would pull away and then you would hear your, your own uh, inadequacies and your lies and you would start spiraling away from me. Therefore, you would end up going to you, as you said in the last podcast, your, your place of comfort, which was pornography. Right. Well, and, and that was just completely rooted in my own selfishness, which is what, again, pornography feeds off of. And I know another thing pornography does um, in the emotional realm, as well as physically, but emotionally, it trains it trains us for instant gratification. It's all about me again and my life. Um, it's not just a physical way, but emotionally. In other words, I don't have time for deep, intimate, emotional relationships. In other words, their work Everything about um, me is now instant gratification, so I just have to move past any of those relationships that desire work and go back to what's easy for me. It makes me very impatient, and that's what I know you saw that also in our relationship in my life. I was extremely impatient with you. Yes, I used to say that your your route was always the easiest uh, way of resistance. So whatever the easiest route to go in, that was the route that you wanted to go. And it would frustrate me very, very much because I, sometimes I would say, hey, but we need to do this or do this. And you would be like, well, that's too much work. You know, let's just go this way. And I, it was in every area of your life, it was just quick, let's get it done. Let's whatever and I think you're exactly right, Paul. It trains you for instant gratification. And uh, you become a very impatient person because life becomes all about you. Right. So as, uh, as the wife of someone who had hidden pornography, like I did, and seeing me pull away spiritually and emotionally, not being able to connect with you, uh, we'll talk about the physical in a bit, but how did that affect you again as a wife? In other words, emotionally and spiritually. In other words, what what was what was going on inside of you because of that? Well, I I felt hopeless. I did not know what was wrong. I married the man of my dreams. I mean, you were the most amazing man I had ever met. And you loved God, you pursued God, and I was so excited about this journey together. And so I you know, it wasn't like it was an overnight thing. You and I had been uh, friends for four years and, uh, and before we were married. And so I thought I knew you extremely well. And so it was a shock to me when we got married that all of a sudden I couldn't process with you. I could talk to you before, but I was never talking to you about you. I was talking to you about other things in my life. And so you could sit and listen to me. But when all of a sudden I'm talking about us, you would start closing off. And so it was a shock to me. I, I had no idea that marriage was going to be this way. And then I didn't know why. I couldn't figure out why is the honeymoon over so quickly? Why does he not want to talk to me? And why is he rejecting me? And that's what it, it ultimately led to after several years of spiraling, uh, you finally came to a place that you began to reject me physically, where you just, you know, you were checked out spiritually, checked out emotionally, and then finally you just began to check out physically. You know, we've talked about the spiritual, we've talked about the emotional side, and um, but let's take a short break, and uh, we'll be right back, so stick around. 
Men, are you tired of being controlled by your addictions, frustrated and want to overcome the shame of sexual sin? Do you want to gain lasting victory over pornography, drugs, or alcohol? I'm Paul Speed, founder of Whatever It Takes Ministries, and I invite you to attend the next Four Days to Freedom Men's Intensive. Four Days to Freedom is designed to help men break free from strongholds and addictions, as well as learn to walk in freedom from past failures. For more information, go to whateverittakesministries.com or call 800-605-1875. Okay, and welcome back. Um, So far, we've been discussing how pornography destroys oneness in marriage, and we've discussed the spiritual component, the emotional component, but now we want to talk about the third dimension there, and that is the physical component. And I think this one's clearly kind of sometimes maybe taken for granted or easily seen, but there's really a lot more to it. I know for you and I, Jenny, what was pornography was doing in my mind um, to me, um, as I said, it, what it did to me emotionally was made me selfish, but obviously physically, there's no doubt about it. Pornography makes a man extremely selfish. Um, just like what we're seeing in the pictures of the videos, that's the way we should be served. Why am I not getting that from my wife? What's wrong with this? And it's really defiling the marriage bed again, which we talked about in Hebrews 13, 4 and 5. I'm coveting something that's not mine, and it causes me to become discontent with you. And that goes to another aspect of not every guy is it lived out the same. And we've seen that over the years through four days to freedom and the different counseling we've done. But for me, it caused me to reject you. In other words, because of the guilt and shame, it caused me to run from intimacy with you. Life was easier with just porn and masturbation by myself. In other words, it wasn't work. It was easy. It was all about me, my own gratification. And that's not always the case for every couple. Sometimes for the guy, it just makes them want to be sexual more with their wife all the time. Yeah, I think it depends on personality types. And so uh, for some men, like you said, they become more aggressive, more demanding. uh, And it's versus with you because of your personality type, it made you just want to pull away. Uh, versus making you more demanding. And so for me, the pain in the physical realm for us and how it affected our marriage is that you just didn't want to be with me because it was more work. It wasn't, you know, um, instant gratification because I wanted to talk. I wanted to be emotionally connected before we were intimate. I wanted, you know, to engage. I wanted romance. I wanted all that as a part of the whole act of intimacy and you had trained yourself for just instant gratification. But again, I didn't know all that. All I know is that you were rejecting me. And, you know, I, I know our listeners, all the women out there, you you probably are going to want to beat my husband up when I tell you this. But So don't beat him up. I love him, and he's amazing. God's brought us through. But I can remember, Paul, the one time early in our marriage where um, you had rejected me and d- didn't want to be intimate for quite a while, and I didn't know why. And so I came to you and I pursued you and said, you know, what's going on? Why are you pulling away from me? Why do you not communicate with me or want to be with me? And you responded that, well, I just don't find you physically attracted anymore because of pregnancy. And uh, I was devastated. I I was really devastated. I remember crying for like three or four days after that. And then, though, you came to me after that and I remember you knelt down beside me, and I was on the couch crying, and you said you were so sorry. And you said, Jenny, please forgive me. What I said was wrong. That's not the truth. I just, 
I didn't know how to answer you. And, you know, you were in bondage then, but I did not know you were in bondage. I, you know, and I didn't know how to help you. And so it's so sad as we look back to see how the enemy so entangled you. And again, our listeners need to know that the pornography in your life, the masturbation issues in your life, were not every single day. They were not every week. Um, They were not even every month. But it only takes a few failures for shame and guilt to bind you and pull you back. And so for you, I think eventually it did become every month and uh, during times every week. But in the beginning years, it wasn't that often. But the guilt and shame was what was pulling you back. Well, in the beginning years, it wasn't um, accessible. I was really striving to not let that be a part of our marriage. This was before internet pornography wasn't around. Yeah, yeah. This was in the age before internet pornography. So, um, you know, the comment I made when you were pregnant, you know, that was born out of my own insecurities, my own selfishness. Maybe some years in the past of pornography and what it had done to my mind already, uh, where life was about me, and um, you know, just an idiot. So. Well, well I, you know, I was able to forgive you years later after you came clean, and I began to see, and not only forgive you, but have uh, empathy for you to see that, boy, the enemy really had, um, he had you in bondage, and I, I was able to feel sorry for you as I began to watch God free you from that bondage, and it's been amazing. Um, how many years now, Paul, have you been completely porn-free? Four, Fourteen 14. Yeah, 14. That's amazing. Praise God. Yeah. So I think, you know, and now as we're able to live out the good side of that, you know, those years had some real negative sides. And with the pornography and what lust does, I know one of the huge ones for me in the physical realm is it, it makes you a taker instead of a giver. And that caused you didn't know it, but because of lust, what was going on, and we've seen this so many times, I just remember... Um, sitting down talking with a couple and the guy looks fine. He says, no, I'm not doing anything. Everything in life is great. I'm, I'm moral. I don't cheat on my wife. I don't look at porn. I don't masturbate. I don't do these things. But so often I'll see you look at the wife and say, when you guys are intimate, do you feel he comes to give or to take? And just to watch these women begin to break down and cry. I know that's the same feeling you went through in our marriage and that's where you learned that. Um, but because you didn't know what was going on. You didn't know what's there. You just know physically, emotionally, and spiritually you were feeling something. And it, it involved me coming to you as someone coming to take from you and not give or bless you. Ab- yeah, absolutely. So when we uh, there was intimacy, it was never a giving. It was a taking. Um, I just, I again, just felt like you were there just to take, not to give. And it was all about you. But, you know, the sad thing, Paul, is that modern society teaches us that that's natural and, uh, and normal and that, you know, even in the church, we teach these young women that, you know, sex is something that your husband needs and wants and you need to be able to give it to him anytime. And, you know, you and I both at Whatever It Takes Ministries disagree with that teaching and understanding. We believe that sex, sex is uh, an intimacy is not only a physical act, but it's an emotional and spiritual act. And it should be a place of blessing one another, not taking from one another. And I can absolutely say to your credit, Paul, that in the last 
uh, we're about to approach 14 years of freedom. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that, you know, you were in bondage for 14 years and coming up pretty soon, this will be our 14th year of complete freedom for you in our marriage. And so uh, I can honestly say in these last 14 years, you have been very much a giver and not a taker and that God has just totally transformed that part of our marriage along with the the emotional and the spiritual. You'll talk to me for hours and hours now if I need you to. Well, that's true. (laughs) Well, I think sometimes even in Christian circles, um, you know, because a guy does have more of a, um, I would say maybe a physical or sexual urge, a teenager's growing up or whatever, and to some degree they're taught, you know, get married in order to satisfy that, in order to be able to deal with that. And again, that's the totally wrong thinking coming straight into marriage. In other words, it's about me getting this need or this thing that I have to have met. So it's it's kind of no wonder we come into marriage as guys or as men. In other words, thinking that sex is about us. And then when it doesn't work out, when it's a little too difficult, when our wife's maybe not in the mood or dissatisfied, then if pornography, masturbation, and selfishness has been there before, it's going to come rushing back like a flood, and it's going to come in and wreak havoc in a marriage. So one of the things, besides um, being a taker versus a giver, I know that we've seen and um, that we share is that when there's lust, even when a spouse doesn't know, she's going to feel several things um, ugly, she's going to feel defiled, or she's going to feel used. Talk about that a second as a wife, because again, for those 14 years, and for somebody who may be out there listening, you didn't know any of this. In fact, you used to go to church and Bible study and talk about your husband was the godliest man you ever knew, that he was one of the most moral men you ever know, yeah. knew. You never saw him look twice at another woman, etc. used to brag about me morally, but yet you still felt something inside. What was that about? Yeah, and to my shame, you know, you had your sin and I had my own sin. And my sin was self-righteousness. And I would brag about you in front of other women. And the reason that I would do that, though, Paul was very sinful, because it made me feel good about me. And um, I was feeling rejection in the marriage and and not good about myself as a woman, not good about myself as a mother. And so if I could make my husband look really good to people, then that made me feel better about me. And so I would promote you and my children as if y'all were amazingly perfect because that made me look perfect. And, you know, I'm very broken over that, very uh, humbled to admit this to the audience uh, because it was sin, and my sin was just as bad and just as much of a, a stench to the Lord's nostrils as yours was. You know, the self-righteousness and the pride was horrible. But I would go and say those things because I truly did not know, though, that there were these struggles in your life. And But it affected me. The way that it affected me, even though I didn't know where it was coming from, is I was really obsessed for several years that you were having an affair. And I can remember tracking you, tracing you, going through your briefcase, going through the glove compartment at your, in the car. Um, one day, I, one evening, you told me you had a business meeting after work. And so I went and sat in the parking lot and watched you go into the building and then waited and, um, until I saw who all went there. And because I just had this real, this uneasiness and mistrust of you and never told you about that until years later but was really obsessed with the fact that you must be having an affair because there was such a disconnection in our marriage and drug you to counseling. We went to counseling on many occasions. I remember one time being told by the counselor that I had too much idle time. I had four children at the time and was homeschooling. 
but they said, you've got too much time on your hands. Maybe you need to get a part-time job. And uh, I also had dreams that were uh, coming all the time, and the dream was always the same. It was a dream that you were committing adultery, not with a particular person, but just I just in the dream knew you were committing adultery. So all this was going on. I felt very ugly physically. Um, I remember starting off our marriage. I was 25 years old when I married you, and I remember on my wedding day, it's kind of funny when I look back, I remember my wedding day just beaming, and I thought I was, the, you know, I thought I was the prettiest girl in the whole USA, you know, not uh, not to count the happiest girl in the whole USA, but uh, I had confidence. I felt good about myself and where God had brought me from and what he was doing in me. But slowly over the years after being rejected over and over and over, um, I didn't feel that way anymore. And I began to go back to dressing uh, with oversized clothes and wearing um, just baggy clothes and not being attractive because I didn't feel attractive. So your sin was definitely affecting me, even though I didn't know what was going on. Right. And that was affecting you, obviously, physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. It's amazing to see, uh, sad to see, what pornography does in a marriage, how it breaks down the oneness that should be there, that a couple should be experiencing as we should have been. But um, it's really sad. Three dimensions, body, soul, and spirit, and it affects them all. So as we wrap up today, Jenny, um, I know we've also seen the physical side. You know what? You can say, well, that part of our life is great, but the emotional and spiritual side seems empty. And we've heard that hundreds of times from couples also. And that's not really enough, is it? Yeah, I want to add in here, Paul, I just was thinking about a couple that we met with one time, and he was very proud and arrogant. And he said, you know, I don't don't have uh, pornography or masturbation going on. That's not my problem. I haven't, you know, I don't struggle with that. And I remember that wife turning and looking at him, and she said, no, you don't. You don't need pornography or masturbation because you use me five days a week. And uh, just the hurt and the bitterness that was in coming out of her was amazing. And he was kind of like in shock because here's a man that thinks that if he can just uh, demand sex from his wife and, you know, he doesn't look at porn or masturbate, he's okay. But again, he was um, being a taker and not a giver, and he was destroying the oneness in his marriage through that whole spirit of taking. Right. And he thought because he was being physical with his wife, um, everything was fine. Everything was okay. Yep. And, you know, the good news is he came through four days. They came to our couples, but at four days, he learned how to turn that and retrain his brain, and they are doing great. Oh, they're great. This couple is doing great. It's been about, what, six, seven years, and they're doing amazing. And, uh, but you were saying that the physical without the emotional, spiritual is empty, and that's so true. He was having the physical all right, but without the, the emotional and spiritual, and it was just destroying his, his wife. Right. So today we've talked about how pornography destroys oneness in marriage, and we've talked about the three areas, the three dimensions that it obviously involves in us individually and in our oneness, and that is body, soul, and spirit. So this has been a really good conversation, Jenny. I guess one thing I'd like to finish up with, when I think about, you know, your Four Days to Hope weekends, and I think about the ladies that come, and you mentioned that earlier, is um, not having hope. You didn't, you knew something was wrong. You didn't know what it was. We weren't engaging spiritually, emotionally, and because what pornography was doing to me, it was causing me to pull away. My guilt and shame caused me to reject you. So you were kind of getting it in all three fronts on that. 
But I remember when I came clean with you in 2002 and I began to confess and we began to walk through that. One of the things you said to me was for the first time in our marriage, you had hope. And that kind of blew me out of the water because I'm thinking it's over. Gosh, she finally knows now our marriage is done. But you shocked me with that. You're like, well, for the first time, I feel hope. Explain that. Well, I didn't have hope for the first 14 years of our marriage. You know, like I said, I drug you to counselors because I knew something was wrong. But, you know, the counselors always thought it was me. And it was partly me, okay? I, I want to make sure my listeners know. I know that I have my side of the the um, the equation here, that I have my own struggles and strongholds. But every time we would go to a counselor about these issues, they always just focused on me, uh, my neediness or my whatever. And so I didn't have hope. No one could help us. And so finally, when you came clean on November 18th, 2002, I was um, very hurt. You had lied to me for 14 years. I was very hurt about that. But then at the same time, there was this this hope that sprung up in me because I was like, finally, finally, I, I think I know what's been wrong. And of course, at that time, I thought what was wrong was pornography. And, of course, we know now through years of ministry and what we do at Whatever It Takes that pornography is just the fruit. It's not the root. But at least I had hope that now we could begin to trace that fruit back to find the root for what was destroying our oneness. Right. Well, I think that's what um, was so cool is, you know what, yes, I was willing to come clean. But what was even better in our marriage is that you were willing um to see that for what it was, that if this is what's causing this disconnect, this is what was causing the break in oneness, you were willing to grab hold of the pain and walk through this. And I thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I love you. Our marriage wouldn't be what it is today had you chosen not. You didn't have to do that, and you did. And that's the hope I want to give to couples out there today as we close. You know what, guys, if you're struggling, if this has been an issue in your life um, from a young man growing up all the way into your marriage now, don't let this destroy you. Don't sit back and just not do anything. Um, Get help. Four Days to Freedom is the most amazing weekend for men at helping men identify those roots, walk through the steps of how do I come clean? How do I deal with these issues from the past? And how do I begin to set out a plan of action to move forward to bring not only healing and restoration in my own life and body, soul, and spirit, but in the life of my wife, our marriage, and then your family. It's a powerful weekend, and I encourage you to check out more online for that. And I want to add to that, Paul, that um, what I've seen that just really excites me about Four Days to Freedom is the single young men that are coming to that. Uh, We've had several uh, fathers who, once a young man has come and asked for permission to marry his daughter, the father has said, well, here's a prerequisite. You have to go attend Four Days to Freedom. And uh, I I know recently one of those young men came back to the marriage conference with his wife. And uh, they'd only been married three months. And I just remember seeing them sitting at the marriage conference, arm in arm, crying on each other's shoulders as they walked through that marriage material. Because he came to Four Days to Freedom before he married her and then brought her back to that marriage conference. Because they want to make sure that their marriage is solid and that they don't end up where most of their the people around them are ending up destroyed, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. So sweet, sweet story of amazing things that we're seeing God do, not only with married men, but with single men that come to Four Days to Freedom also. Right. It was beautiful because 
Like most men, he wanted to be free and he just didn't know how. So coming to Four Days helped him get a hold of how to do it. Now he's walked into marriage and they are just an amazing couple. So this has been great. Again, the information on our website is there for Four Days to Freedom, Four Days to Hope, and also the Couples Intensive. But if you've got other questions or you want to know more about Whatever It Takes Ministries or how we can be of help to you, please contact us through our website at witministries.com or whateverittakesministries.com, or you can call us at 336-310-5050. And Jenny and I want to thank you again for joining us today. So until next time, remember, your life can be different if you're willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.